104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. If you're uh, sitting right at your house or driving around, you're thinking, holy cow, did I sleep all the way through Saturday? It's Sunday already? <laughs> nah. It's our first pre-preseason edition of Ned Talk. I'm Joe Weston. If you're watching on video, that's me waving. You don't want to see me, so I'm not going to show you. I've got a face for radio, by the way. But I'm joined by, as always, the namesake of our show, Ned Reynolds. How are you, sir? Doing really well, and this is a Saturday, a little bit out of the ordinary. And the next two that we do will really be out of the ordinary because they're Friday nights. Friday night lights. <laughs> we're back football. to back. Quite yeah. literally, yes. And then uh, Mike, the intern's with us. How yeah. are you? I just kicked everyone out, said it's the first game of the year. Chiefs, I'm, I'm in, guys. Well, I do, I do want to start out by wishing well wishes to the Oliver family. Uh, John Oliver lost his mother this week. That's why John's not with us. Josh Roberts' mother is ill. It's not a good time to be a mother. Somebody of the show, my mother's been at the hospital. So so that's what's going on. Let's talk about football. Let's get into something exciting. Are you guys glad? Are you excited that football's back? I am uh, for a couple of reasons, yes. Number one, the, the very advent of the sport. That's always exciting. But number two, because we're going to see fans in the stands. And that is really encouraging. It was a tremendously limited number toward the end of last year. And that really didn't lend itself to any kind of championship performances, in my opinion. But the fact of the matter remains, they will be there. I I don't know how many will be at Levi Stadium tonight for the uh, game with the San Francisco 49ers. Probably limited. Probably not a full house, but that's because it's a preseason game. Mm -hmm. And they are very rarely ever uh, sellouts. But nonetheless, the fact that the fans are back, we are seeing a good level of football coming back. And the exhibition games, which were not played last year, will be played this year. Are you excited to see exhibition football back, Mike? I am very excited. Anytime my Kansas City Chiefs get to play, I'm excited about it. Um, obviously, uh, what Ned said is very true. We didn't get this last year. I remember this year. At, I mean, we were still kind of like, we kind of think it's going to happen. But at this point last year, everything had was just falling apart. And things were trying to get back together, but things weren't. And it was just like every day Mike, something new. Last year at this time, First, it was the four games. Now we're going to move it to three, yep. and then two, then none. Yep. Completely. It was out. just, it was, and every day, it was every morning that we'd, we'd do our conversation, it was something else. And at that point, after so many months of the pandemic, it was just like you wake up just expecting something to happen. And the fact that we actually have three preseason games. A 17-game regular season, That's this is going to go down. NFL said, look, if you guys can't figure it out and you have to postpone, you can't make it up, forfeit, figure it out, good to go. Let's That's do this. a really good point that you just brought up, too, because that will make a difference this year. You might remember, and I don't, uh, can't recall the team. It may have been the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not sure. But one of them played on a Thursday night. That, uh, Buffalo Bills, come to think of it, uh, played on a Thursday night. Had to come back and play on a Monday because of COVID, that is out. That's not going to occur. If you can't play, it is a forfeit. And that's big. 
Do you Huge. think you're going to see something like that happen during the course of the season? I hope to the good Lord, no. We're doing our dances. We're <laughs> saying our prayers, whatever you have to do. But you also see, it's interesting, just like across the country, you see, um, I don't know if you've been following the Chiefs in training camp, a lot of them have been wearing those those bands. And that, those bands basically say, hey, look, we've been vaccinated. And based on that, the protocol is a little bit different for those certain players, from what I understand. But then and you see teams that are just like, okay, let's do this. Let's get this done. We don't want to, we got to do what we can. But then you see guys like uh, Jackson in Baltimore who's had COVID twice and he still won't get his vaccination. So, I, you know, I'm never going to be the one to tell someone to take something. But at the same time, it's going to be interesting when you've got situations like that going into the season. I was getting my hair chopped today and I heard somebody talk about a younger guy. Saying about, I, I just don't feel like being made to do something. I just don't think I should. I don't. I don't feel like I should have to do this. You can. You can understand that attitude. After all, this is a free country, and that cannot be mandated. But I do want to understand one thing. I spent six years in the U.S. Navy Hospital Corps, been with doctors every single day, and one thing that they always emphasized in in situations where you had flu or whatever the case might be and we had the swine flu back then and so forth the one curative circumstance is herd immunity it sounds ugly and it refers to cattle herds and herds of animals but that's the way you do not transmit the disease when you have herd immunity you can't transmit it that's what the vaccine is intended to do like it or not you're helping others by getting that vaccine. That we're not we're not proponents. Well, I am. I'm a proponent of it, but oh, that's not oh. the uh, that's yeah. not the nature of what we're doing. Just telling you what makes common sense. Something that we do not practice in society anymore. It's unfortunate. <laughs> Let's not get too uh, too too political. But again. It's it's one of those things where it, it's, you know, sports is a microcosm, you know, of what's actually happening in the real world. And when you see guys like Lamar Jackson, their star guy saying, I'm not doing it. I've had COVID twice, whatever, that you've got neighbors. I've had family members. You know what I mean? And that's just what are you going to do? It's a crazy world. It's cra- I, w- I really hope that by the time that we started this year that we wouldn't be talking about COVID, but the first five minutes of our show have been dedicated <laughs> to COVID. And most of the time I try to avoid it because it, it's just, you know, we, we spent, uh, you know, Ned can testify to this, our first uh, like six months after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, that's really all we talked about is how COVID affects this, how COVID affects that. You still see it affecting baseball. You yep. still see knuckleheads in baseball that, it, you know, are, are getting COVID, are transmitting it to other team members. I mean, my, my team's the Yankees. They've had a huge outbreak late in the season. You would think these guys would smarten up at this point. But, again, you know, it's a free country. If you want to be dumb, you can be dumb. The fact of the matter remains, though, Joe, while you are seeing it, it is – my profession, our profession, mm-hmm. the media, which is letting you know about it. Whereas if it was the flu, something of that nature, you wouldn't hear so much about it. Less and such as ill and out for a few days. But because of the fact that this is new, COVID-19, it's the novel virus, the novelty virus because it was new. And this second strain that came through, which is uh, related to COVID, but it's the Delta uh, variant. Who saw that coming? Because of that, it does make news, and you do have the media telling about everybody. 
it isn't everybody in the world who's sick. Although if you pick up a newspaper or read or hear something on the air, you think, my God, we're all, no, no, it's certain not Certain areas, that. I mean, certain areas are, are, are particularly bad. I mean, there's not a lot of hospital space left in Texas right now because... They are going through a surge, but the surge will begin to wane after a while. The bottom line is this. If we take care of ourselves and you get yourself protected, you're going to protect others as well. Let's talk forward passes. All right. <laughs> I was going to say a little history lesson, too, goes with us when we had the last pandemic, which was the turn of last century. Uh, people wore masks, and then it started to go away, and people thought, oh, it's gone. Let's take masks off. And the flu came back again. That was the Spanish flu. And the and, Spanish flu. And so, you know, history repeats itself. But let's do talk football. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show, and your home for the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's uh, talk about the game tonight. What do you expect to see from the Chiefs? Have they laid out a roadmap yet? Winning and losing is always important. You go on the field of, of uh, athletic endeavor always to win the game. But is it the primary objective? No. The primary objective for both teams, both the Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, will be to see how the blend of players works, especially with Kansas City. I'll tell you exactly what I'm anxious to see. They won't play very much, maybe at the most in the first period, but how the offensive line, the new offensive line, uh, gels. You've got uh, Joe Tooney in there from the New England Patriots. You have Orlando Brown coming over from the Baltimore Ravens. Then what do they do at center? Because Mike Remmers is a center. He's out. He's got a back injury. He can't play. Levant Duvernay-Tardif is out no. with the hand injury. Mm -hmm. He won't play. You know who's going to get in there? Creed Humphrey, the big kid from Oklahoma. I fully expect he plays. And I want to see how, how Andy Reid juggles that offensive line. Lucas Niang, kid from last year who opted out and didn't play, probably going to play quite a bit tonight. Here's a key with Lucas Niang. He's a big kid and a good player. TCU, great All-America. But he hasn't played in a year. Mm. And when you're out for a year, I don't care how old you are, what the circumstances, how much experience you have, that is tough to come back. Fortunately for him, he does have preseason games to get himself acclimated. That's one. The other circumstances will be how the defense works with a kind of a makeshift a linebacker core. Willie Gay is out. They, mm -hmm. they counted on him to play quite a bit, but he's in concussion protocol. How are they going to work the rookies in there? The uh, And does Mahomes play? Yes. He'll probably play half or maybe the entire first period, and then he's out of there. You don't risk the franchise. No. How Andy Reid juggles the lineup, who he puts in there tonight, what they do. You might remember this, guys, for what it's worth. The year that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, they lost to the San Francisco 49ers in the preseason at Arrowhead. Lost in a close game, but they lost it. Then they beat him in the Super Bowl and came from behind to do it. This is a nice little rivalry that they have. I, I want to see how the rookies play and how the offensive line gels. What do you expect to see, Mike? Um, you know, Ned Ned hit a lot of great points uh, late last week. Coach uh, Andy Reid pretty much said, and, you know, this is typical Reid, what he does for the preseason is uh, starters, first quarter, seconds, second, thirds, third, fourth, fourth. Um, uh, the injuries going into the game, um, unfortunate for Rimmers, and then I uh, was definitely wanting to see um, – Willie Gay, but he's, of course, in the concussion pro protocol, so we can't do that. Um, but, you know, you're right on the money to kind of see some of these new guys that 
that haven't gotten a chance to play, especially up front, to protect Mahomes, see how that works in the first quarter. Again, it is preseason, so it's preseason. And you're not, even though it is physical, no matter what they say, they're not going 100%. You know what I mean? The old pros. But, but yeah, <laughs> no, they're, they're, no. Not, they're not out there just just doing it. But, again, um, to, sometimes, you know, quarter, closer to the half, you you see uh, some of those uh, pickups in the draft and some of those offseason grabs that do stuff that are kind of like, oh, oh, hey, hey, hey. And then, of course, um, just like everyone else, I'm high up on Trey Smith, so we got to see what he does. Yeah. That's a good point you bring up. Trey Smith out of Tennessee is coming over here now. He's he's up there on the on the draft. I think number six or yeah, something like time. that. He could be in there and play quite well. And then there's the kid who Mitch Holdus talked about quite a bit at his meeting with us, and that's the kid from Duke, No Gray. And I want to see what he mm-hmm. does in there too. How much he plays, and he will. He will be in there. How much do you expect to see the starters in this game? You said. One yeah, series, one quarter. Yeah. One quarter. One quarter. Do, you, yeah. do, you, do you see a possibility that maybe Patrick Mahomes does a series and then comes out? Well, yeah, I do. He could he could play one series, but you have to remember too, he's working with new people, and you've got to get that rhythm going. Sure, the practices are great, but nothing beats the competition, especially when you have alien, and I don't mean that in terms of alien individuals, <laughs> but alien forces coming in and chasing you in the backfield and how he works himself into a rhythm. I think he probably plays a couple of series, but certainly not beyond the first period. And remember, he's coming off that injury, too. Yeah, so, uh, this is and had surgery, and so I think there, even though he's been, there's been no problems, you still don't want to just throw your $500 million investment in the pool and say, go start swimming, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing worse than to see somebody. Oh, yeah, immediately out, out of the gate. It'd just be, it'd be heartbreaker. But uh, I, I maybe, I, you know, the more I think about it, a couple series, depending on how they go, they march the field down, everything goes right, and he sees what he likes. Coach will pull him immediately. Out. And that, and, out. and ultimately, I think that's kind of, that's kind of, after all these years of Coach Reed being the coach of the Chiefs and what I've seen, it's it's interesting to see it from that perspective that it, you almost see that he wants to see it work and the work is the way it's supposed to. And if it works, there's no need to show in my, the rest of my hand. We had uh, three pair, no big deal. Let's move on. You know what I mean? And let the other guys get a chance. So if things go well early on, I think they will pull him. I think I told you guys a story one time. It, this did happen. And I want to say it was 1970. And uh, the teams were in the preseason. Back then, you had six preseason games, six exhibition games. So I'm at KY3 one night, and they're running a very popular NBC Saturday night movie. Now, remember, there's no cable, no satellites back then, nothing like that. So what you showed on free market over-the-air TV was huge. I don't remember what the movie was, but it was a first-run movie that had been out maybe for about a year or so. And all of a sudden... NBC News breaking in with this special bullet. Oh, God, what do we have now? Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Namath of the New York Jets has just been injured in a preseason game and is out for the year. (laughs) Back to the movie. I mean, guys, that telephone (laughs) rang off the wall and 98% of us... Oh, I can't repeat that. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> How much stock do you put in these games? I mean, do you? Uh, I mean, what do you take away from any of these preseason games? Well, the first, the first game, the initial game, not as much as number two and three, obviously. But the fact remains that they all are important, especially for the free agents and the guys who are hanging on and the newcomers. They want to be on that 53-man roster. 
They want to be there, get that paycheck. So they are out there. They're they're giving it their all, and they know fully well the coaches are assessing everything that they do. So from that standpoint, game number one is exceedingly important. This is so much different than the way that it's been in the past because it was this kind of gradual build with the starters and the guys that are going to make the team. You saw, you know, one or two series is maybe the first quarter, then maybe two quarters, and then definitely to the half by the third game. The fourth game was the throwaway game. It was the one where you didn't really play anybody. It was just guys making that edge of the roster team. How are teams looking at this differently this year with just the three games? Well, they're giving the giving the individuals more time, especially the guys who are on the borderline on the cusp, giving them much more time to play. That's why I don't think the veterans go any more than the first period, and maybe not even that. You want to see how the youngsters play. What Big time. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, preseason's all about development and depth. You know, how, how, your, how your young players are developing. Everyone can have a good camp, but if you're standing in front of somebody you haven't seen before, and <laughs> how do you react to that? You know, how do you react to this? How do you get overcome adversity? There's so many different things, um, but development for those guys and then where you're at because once you start getting into those later quarters, then you can really see where your depth is going to come into play. You know what I mean? Because those guys need to step up, and they may be asked to step up later on down the season, and you want to know that you've got someone to do that. I think one of the things you hear most commonly said by guys who go from college football into the professional leagues is how the speed is just so much different, just so much different than what they're used to seeing on the field. That is the common comment that I have had made to me by guys from Missouri State uh, who have gone on to play pro football. And the speed is just incredibly unbelievable. I'm not going to tell you his name, but we had a player uh, from Missouri State, a Bear, who's an outstanding player, outstanding, made all-conference, and was a free agent, was not picked in the draft, went out and tried out for the San Diego Padres, and I th- uh, Padres, San Diego um, uh, Chargers, as they were at the time, yeah. the San Diego Chargers. This is before they moved to L.A. Had a tryout with them, and then kind of morphed over to another camp and then said, you know what, I just do not have the speed. And this is a guy who was was an all-conference player down here. That in and of itself is the biggest. Now, you have players who are strong, you know, can lift the 500 pounds and all this sort of thing, but how quickly you move, how, how much you anticipate what's going to happen, that's the football IQ, the same in any sport if you have the inner knowledge and the reactionary abilities to be able to make that work. There's where you, that's the difference. That's the cutting edge between the guys who are going to play and the ones who don't make it. Quick minds and quick feet. And even those 500-pound lifting guys up front got quick feet, They're too. They're usually pretty good. <laughs> They're pretty, so when you see those linemen sometimes going, I can't believe he can move like that. So let's talk about this for just a second. One of the things I think most Chiefs and excited about going into the season is all the work the Chiefs did on the offensive line. Mm. We're already seeing that that depth is being put to a test. Mm-hmm. So Andy Reid's got to be holding his breath a little bit tonight, hoping that nobody else goes down at this point. Well, again, that's a total unpredictable factor. You don't know. It's an intangible. You cannot count on something like that happen. However, there is one thing you can count on, and that is when you form your team, your, your starting players, your starting 22 may be the greatest. You better have a doggone good backup crew in there because depth is extremely important. The good teams, the championship teams, win with depth. I We said it last week. I think the best team did not win 
the Super Bowl last year. I felt like the Chiefs were a better team, but they were not the healthiest team. No. They were not, and that is that's another good point that you bring up because on paper, when you when you assess teams, Kansas City has the best team in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah. They they player for player, quarterback, my gosh, he's he's all world and everybody else. Maybe not Tom Brady, but everybody else for the most part is playing second fiddle to Mahomes. He's a tremendous player. They have the solid making of of a a team that should be back in the Super Bowl again. But the variables involved, the other factors, Kansas City has a very tough and physical schedule. How this plays into effect, your injury factors, uh, we've already had some, and it's been training camp for heaven's sake. All that plays into how a team's going to do. We're about 40 minutes away from the start of the pregame show. You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports show on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. 35 minutes away from the pregame show with Mitch Holtis and Art Haynes. It comes up at 6. Kickoff is at 7.30 as the Chiefs take on the 49ers, the first preseason game, the first of many games that you'll hear right here in 104.7 The Cave. At very least, you're going to hear 20 games here. (laughs) But we hope that you hear 23, 24 games on the station. Catching you up, the Broncos are beating the Vikings right now, 33-6 that game. About 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Bears beat the Dolphins earlier today, 20-13. to 13. A lot of games on the schedule tonight. The Browns, the Jaguars, the Ravens, the Saints, the Jets and the Giants, Bengals and Buccaneers, Texans, Packers, Raiders, Seahawks, Rams and Chargers, but we mainly care about the Chiefs. Have you watched any football so far? Watched one today, as a matter of fact. Chicago Bears and the Miami Dolphins at Soldier Field. I saw a couple of uh, stories flash across about that game. What'd you think? First of all, fans in the stands, and they were yeah. they were really vocal for the Chicago Bears, who they think are going to have a pretty good team. Of course, Mike Nagy's their coach, and he has he has reconstructed their offense, as you might expect. And the announcers were talking about it today. Well, this really looks like a Kansas City Chiefs offense out there, which it does. So they brought in their their top draft choice, who is the quarterback, Justin Veal from Ohio State. And what did he do? He broke one. Now, he didn't run for a touchdown, but he's scrambling in the backfield, and he goes for about 25, 30, 35 yards, something like that. Hold down. Big run, first down, fans are going wild. They will have a pretty good football team. Came from behind to defeat the Miami Dolphins. I think it was 20-13, to 13, I think the final was. But it was just so good to see the, the, the kids out there trying hard, playing, going through a practicing of what they have been working on by, in their drills. It's, it's, it's great to do the drills. You have to. But then to play in the in the game itself, that's that's something else completely. And you can see they were having a lot of fun doing it. I I was also interested to see how uh, Fields was going to do today. And that's another thing about preseason that we didn't get to mention in the last segment, which was that uh, even though yes, all I do care about is the Kansas City Chiefs. It is interesting to see how some of these quote-unquote studs from the draft that everyone made a huge deal about come out and do, have their first professional game 
you know, and we've got a lot of studs in this year's draft class across the league, and and, and that Bears game was one of them that I was definitely curious about, and we've got plenty others, too. And, and how they do. After all, there's a very big difference between being hit in college and being hit by some truck in the pros. It's, it's an altogether <laughs> different game. Well, that's what you like call it. Mack truck. <laughs> well, I think, I, you know, if I go home tonight and watch the game, I think I may flip back and forth because Jacksonville's playing at the same time. Yep. And I want to see what Trevor Lawrence has yeah. got. I want to see what how he looks. I mean, what's what's the most interesting storyline beside the, the Chiefs going into the season for you, Ned? In, in that game, the one coming up Well, tonight. no, just period. Going into the season, what's what what are you most fascinated to watch? I want to see how well Patrick Mahomes plays behind, at least in theory, a good offensive line. We know how he can play. Took a team to a Super Bowl and won it. But last year, they were so poor in that Super Bowl game. And this team, you know, be a Chiefs fan, which they everybody is, took a lot of criticism. An awful lot of ill publicity during the offseason about that game in particular. How they react to that, because that's a first for them. Mahomes has had nothing but success all along, and here he is <clears throat> losing the big game and all that sort of thing. How they react to that, I think, is a key factor in how the whole season morphs for Kansas City. What about you, Mike? Um, I, I love that answer. Um, and definitely, uh, to, again, to kind of piggyback on what I said earlier, as far as watching at least our draft class and how they succeed and some of the guys that we brought over in the off season, how they do and mesh with the team. Um, as far as outside of the league, um, see how the Packers situation unfolds throughout the season. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, and you know, I'm not the biggest Urban Meyer fan in the world. I do not like the man. I mean, say what he wanted about him as a coach. I just don't think he's a good dude. And that, we don't have to get into that. But I am interested to see how he does in Jacksonville with what he has. Do you suppose he keeps Tim Tebow on that team? I I mean, if he uh, he I don't know if he if he can do his job. I mean, but again, the the whole two, three tied in offenses, it's if you can make it work, the Chiefs might actually make that work this year. Well, the, the Chiefs could, yes, but I, I just can't see that working anywhere else. And the guy's 34 years old. True. Hadn't played football since his days at Florida. Uh, the, Again, I think he's a he's a product of media. You think that smoke and mirrors kind of? <laughs> hey, look, is he's on there? Well, we'll see. I I, I am interested to see what Urban uh, is going to do with that team. I think the NFL's you know one of the biggest copycat leagues in in all sports. Meaning that when one team has success, you look and oh the, yeah, everybody looks and turns their heads and go, how well? How do they do it? And, and let's see how we can get to where they are. Interesting to see how, especially the AFC West. Maybe the Chiefs come back a little bit to that group. I mean, I think they're obviously the choice to win that division, but maybe a little bit tighter this year. Maybe this is, I think, really a make-or-break year for John Gruden with the Raiders. And they've they've put a lot of talent together with that team, but nobody can seem to kind of push them over the hump. What are you talking about? Don't they have them for like 10 years, 50 years, something like that? Yeah, but but you you know how that goes. I know, I I mean, you know exactly how that goes. I just feel... But I'm just, I'm I'm saying that this has got to be a make-or-break year for him. I I figured the last two would be for him, but yeah. And and they've got, they're probably the class of the division besides the Chiefs. I don't think the Broncos are there yet. I don't think the Chargers are there yet. I was going to say the opposite. I I honestly think the, the other team in the AFC West that I am definitely 
uh, high up on as much as I can with our rivals would be the Chargers. I think really? they've got I the most. I think they've got the most momentum. That quarterback they've got is great. The coaching staff's good. They're they're going at, as much as I hate to say this about the Chargers, and I hate the Chargers just as much as I hate the Broncos and the Raiders. They have something that is you you see it in teams. We talked about it last week when we were talking about baseball teams. There's just there's something when you see in a team that looks like you know what they might not do it now, but they might do it soon. You know what I mean? There are a number of factors in the Chargers' favor. Number one, Herbert, their quarterback, is really, really solid. And they have Trey Lance from North Dakota State, who played so very well in college. He's getting his feet wet in the pros, and he has all the capabilities of being a great athlete. That's number one. Number two, guys, you may laugh at this, but I really feel like playing in new surroundings in the new stadium, the Soho Stadium out there, as opposed to the soccer place where they were playing with a limited number of fans, most of whom were for the other team. I think that makes a big difference in their motivation. Chargers have a lot going for them. I think they're going to be awfully, awfully difficult to handle. They're not as good as the Chiefs, not as good. And the Broncos, I know, are not as good. But, yeah, I agree. I think the Raiders and the Chargers will be solid contenders, but I don't think they win. I think Kansas City does. Oh, I think Kansas City does too. But when you, I think you're seeing a little bit of that division come back to the Chiefs. Yeah, maybe so. I don't, I think Denver's a couple of years away. The Raiders, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get. And I would say the same thing with the Chargers. The Chargers have been hyped for so many years. I think this is our fourth year of doing Ned Talk, and every year we've started out by going, watch the Chargers, <laughs> watch the Chargers. Yes, 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 but they always had Last year Rivers. they... They had always had an old pro, Philip Rivers, and he always going to come into it this year. Never did. No. And, until he goes to another team, then he's fine there. It's there's a restructuring of what they have done, and yeah, they're. I'll tell you, Joe, they are capable. That's not a prediction that they're going to, but they are certainly capable. Well, when, with when weird things about football to me is you'll see a team that maybe puts it together towards the end of one season, and then they don't make the playoffs, and then it's a long off season, and you know players come and go, and there's the draft, and maybe they don't find the right talent to fit in, and you and that team never makes it. I mean, I've seen <laughs> it. I honestly, seen a, watched it a lot with the Raiders. Raiders a couple of years ago looked like they're real. They were coming team. Looked like they under Jack Del Rio. Looked like they were going to be a good, really good football team for a time to come with a lot of talent. Next year they fell off the table. John Gruden comes in. John Gruden basically gets rid of everybody on that team except for uh, the quarterback. And so let me ask you this. Um, I, I, now when that, that year that that you mentioned was around the, the time when they got car. Right. Yeah. And I remember that cause everyone were, I remember saying the same thing. I was like, that kid's dangerous. But now after all these years, he reminds me more of a Philip rivers than anything yeah, else. Exactly. Like, and that, and that's what I go back to. I, they're just, that team doesn't rally around that guy and they don't, they, I don't think they rally around Gruden either. No. So how, how do you, you gotta sit, you gotta, you gotta live that car. I mean, it, it might be, it might just be smoke and mirrors, but the culture thing is so huge. And I, and I see it in teams, whether it's the chiefs or any other sports for that matter you can see that there's a culture there and if no one's willing to rally around somebody whether it's Mahomes, kelsey big red whatever it is it's just there you can only do so much culture with with any kind of team wherever they are is a major key you just hit it right there but what you're not thinking is that the culture's changed 
It yeah. isn't now Oakland. It is Las Vegas. And they'll play and, in L.A. They'll and, play in Las Vegas. And last year, they played in Vegas and had no, no fans. Not, like there were literally no fans. Not, yes. not five or 600 or something like that. There were none. This year, it'll be a different story. It'll be a loud crowd. You have to understand, gang, that players, players are human beings. They respond to that kind of motivation. You saw that. They, you saw them giving their all last year, but not with the motivation of fans behind them in any instance. In Kansas City, to some extent, because they had 35,000, but many of them with nobody. It makes a very big difference with how they play, how they're going to play, and the effort that they give in every single respect. I, I really feel like the Raiders will respond well. We're 24 minutes away from the start of the pregame show with Art Haynes. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Yes, we are a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We've got our first broadcast coming up, 7.30 kickoff time right here in the cave. We'll have the pregame show for you in about 18 minutes with Art Haynes, Mitch Holtis, and the whole crew. I'm with Ned Reynolds, Mike the Inter today. I'm Joe Weston. Let's talk about outside the AFC West for just a minute. Are you interested in... uh, there's a plethora, using a big word here, using a plethora of, of great young quarterbacks, but there's some older quarterbacks in the league that it's kind of last hurrah time or time to get off the pot. You know what I mean? <laughs> so Derek Carr is one of the guys. We talked about that. Dak Prescott, very highly touted quarterback, had a spectacular rookie season for the Cowboys. Has not had as many great seasons since him. Injured last year, but still getting a lot of press. What do you? I mean, what do you think for Dak Prescott? Well, sure. it is a very important year for him and for the Dallas Cowboys, for that matter. Now they're zero two in the preseason, and again, you can't put a lot of stock in that. But by the same token, Jerry Jones is a very aggressive owner. He's looking at that team and saying, "I don't care what the situation is. Get out there and play and win and so forth." And so they play the Chiefs incidentally up at Arrowhead. I think in October, is that what it is? October, early Um, November. But be that as it may. November. uh, With Prescott as their quarterback and their cornerstone, yeah, they've got to do something this year, and most of the prognosticators don't think they will. They have the East, when Dallas plays in the East, uh, Washington football team. They have the Philadelphia Eagles uh, rated very highly as well. I'd be anxious to see how that does work out. Can Dallas flex its muscle? Can they recall the days of the Dallas Cowboys of yesteryear? I, I think they're pretty far from that right now. What do you think? Uh, so, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not the biggest Cowboys fan either because it seems to me all a bunch of Dallas fans always uh, give me hell for being a Chiefs fan, but whatever. Um, Dax did have a great rookie year, but I almost call I mean, he's, he's kind of been Mr. Glass, you know, ever since. And also, the other thing is, it's like I talked about in the last in the last break. Where's the rallying point for the Dallas Cowboys? And you you watch players for the Chiefs, and I hate to use this as an example because you're just going to say I'm biased, but whatever. You see players like number 10, 87, whatever, and they always go, I don't know. We got 15. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, That's faith. That's faith. Because at the end of the day, yeah, Patrick's good. 
but he is a human being, and he makes mistakes. He made mistakes last year. He made mistakes the season for that. He's going to make mistakes. He puts up numbers. He does great, but yes, he is a human being. When you've got multiple guys that are literally stars in their own right saying, you know what, we got 15, he'll take care of it, that's a rallying point, and I just don't see anybody on the Dallas team saying that about that. They're not saying it about him Well, they always had the big-name quarterback. The Roger Staubachs and in recent years, Tony Romo and people like that. That was your rallying point. I wouldn't put Dak Prescott in that category. He hasn't been able to engender that kind of enthusiasm from his team, or at least they haven't shown it, if that's the case. Like it or not, your QB on the field is your centerpiece, both offensively and defense. He's the one who really motivates your team and gets them going. The Chiefs are very fortunate in having Mahomes right now. But you have to have that leader as a QB if you're going to win. Do you think that they look at football maybe 10 years, 15 years ago as their model? Because they still have a lot of faith in Ezekiel Elliott and a running game. And I think maybe he's past his prime. The prime for a running back, and it isn't different. It all depends. It's not on the same as it being, once was. But, oh, it's it's about four years. That's exactly yeah, but what it I was used to be say. a little bit longer than that, though. It used to be. Well, Jimmy Brown could have gone on for ten, eleven yeah, years. He's probably still could be went on for all those years. <laughs> Again, it's 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 different for uh, each individual. But for the most part, the average running back is going to make it about uh, four years, four years at the most. And Ezekiel Elliott is approaching that point now where he may be past his prime. It depends on the individual. There's really no way to predict that other than what they do on the field. Who's going to catch passes from Dak Prescott as we go forward? I don't know. I do not the Michael Crabtree 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 can Crabtree had a great career at Texas Tech and he had one with the the Raiders and out on the West Coast but he's another one now who may be approaching the the twilight of his career as well you mentioned Aaron Rodgers earlier and uh this whole offseason had to be a huge distraction for a team that always seems you know during the course of the season they're listed at the top of those phony NFL power ratings <laughs> or right around the top of those ratings but when it gets to playoff time they're usually check out pretty early so what do you think for the Green Bay Packers going into this season don't hurt Scott Myers feelings I, I well yeah we get we know a lot of people from Wisconsin don't we um i you, the distraction definitely, I, you know, it's it's theatrics, and in in these guys are professionals. They know how to play. Um, I think the, you know, teams and people just have bad luck. And and I, I just that playoff game last year though for the Packers was, it, I mean, I as a Chiefs fan to watch what happened to us in the Super Bowl was bad, but what happened to them in the playoffs was just like I can't even be- believe this is how you because they were so hot going that season. I mean, he, he's MVP, dude, and he had a great season. Say what you want, but he he's MVP. And to go into the playoffs and look like that and lose like that was bad like, game. what in the hell is going on? He had a bad game, just an awful game, and that can happen. We saw it with the, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It does hit you. Uh, Joe, I don't think that any of those Packers ever, I don't think there's a single one of them who thought that Rodgers wouldn't be back this year. It was theatrics, as Mike said. Well, let, let's rephrase it. He, he has a gripe. But it's a personal situation with one other person or maybe two in the front office. It isn't money. It isn't the way the team operates. It's 
it's it's it's almost an ego. His his ego was hurt somehow. I don't think these players ever doubted one little bit that he would be back. Uh, and I think they are motivated by his being there. Guy's an old pro. He still can get it done. Uh, I I think the Packers will be a tough tough hombre to handle. I kind of see this as almost like the Brett Favre situation. I mean, towards the end of Favre's career, there was a lot of complaining out of his camp about, well, you're not surrounding me with the right pieces. I'm still a great quarterback, but I don't have anybody to throw to. There's nobody protecting me. And you're hearing the same thing from Aaron Rodgers. Except that he was the MVP. Well, you saw Favre be MVP with some of those teams, too, with that weren't so good. And, you know, let's, let's talk about a couple of the quarterbacks Nearing the end of their career, Ben Roethlisberger is one of them, and the other one would be Tom Brady, if Tom Brady's career would ever end. <laughs> uh, we'd all be thankful for that day. Um, what do you think? I mean, do you do you foresee Tom Brady falling off the table, or is he going to ride off to the sunset at the top of the game? I saw him falling off the table a couple of years ago, and it ain't happened yet. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, he's, he is, he's a physical freak, number one. He is able to maintain... Great ability as a QB. He won the Super Bowl last year. He's won any number of them. They play the uh, Patriots, incidentally, this year. I think it's in New England. Anxious to see how the uh, the fans react to Tom Brady coming back. Roethlisberger's a different story because I do think he's beyond his capabilities now. Now, he can. that's not to say they won't win, but here's a guy who's taken a lot of beating. He's a big person and is built to be able to withstand a lot of punishment, but he has taken his share of it. I just have to think that uh, his days are very much numbered. Can't say the same for Brady. He's going to just go on like old man River. Well, we'll come back in just a minute and tell you our picks for tonight's game and who to watch as we get set for the NFL preseason to start in Chiefs country. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. It says that there's one person out there watching us on our live stream that we've got going right now. Ned Talk. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Hi, Krista. Hey, Krista. Hi, Mom, Ollie. How are you? Whoever, whoever it is. Yeah. So uh, what's the over-under in the game tonight? 39. Too much. Do you think you're going to see that? Too high. Do you think you'll see Ned? I think it goes over. I think it goes over 39. Uh, the Chiefs are a two-point pick in this one. I, I'm sorry, 49ers yeah, are a two-point two pick yeah. in this one. Uh, out at Levi Stadium. I think the Chiefs win the game probably, I'm, I'm going to say 24, 24, to, 24 to 17 is what I'm going to pick Kansas City to win. What do you, what do you say? 21-14, Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah. I, I'm going to pick a weird score. I always like picking weird scores because I, I just do. 18-9, to 49ers. Because I just think the Chiefs will probably... See what they've got to see. Look at the team, and then Andy Reid would be like, "Okay, let's just see. We'll just see how these other guys do." Yeah. Because I think at this point, we saw this last year with the Chiefs. What really surprised me about them, and, and they constantly surprise me, uh, having watched them for the last three years, is they look like they just played the Super Bowl the week before when mm-hmm. they started last season. Like. We don't need a preseason. That's why I'm kind of, I'm not a big fan of the preseason at all. Because after the first quarter, it just becomes a snooze fest and you don't really, I mean, I'm not one of those guys. It's like, yeah, I really want to see this guy they took in the fourth round and he was a linebacker from wherever. I, 
I'm just not that in-depth with it. In this case, though, it's a tiny little bit different because the 49ers are going with Garoppolo, and he has to come back. He has to prove himself. If Trey Lance out there who could step right in, Garoppolo is their key man right now. If he can come back and play and prove himself in these three preseason games, it's all there are, then I think the 49ers are on their way. I think it's a very big game, and I think he stays in at least for one half. Yeah, I, that's an interesting little storyline that's going on in this game because there is a quarterback competition there. There is a little bit of thought that I read an article earlier in the day that they were comparing this year's Trey Lance, Jimmy Garofalo situation to Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes and seeing that as being kind of the passing of the torch this year with 49ers. Well, yeah, I, I think you have a good point there other than the fact that when Mahomes came in, he knew fully well as a rookie that he wasn't going to play at all. Now, in the case of Trey Lance, he doesn't have any pro experience. He has none. It's all at North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. Well, how can he or how is he able to absorb the pro game, which is so much different from what he was in college? And he was at an FCS school, pretty good one, mm-hmm. but an FCS school nevertheless. And let's point out, too, that he uh, did not play last year. He opted out of the season That's completely. And we would have got a chance to see him play the Missouri State Bears. He would have played in the spring, of course. That's when the Valley had their season. But he, and I think rightfully so, knew he was going to be drafted high. Why why put myself in jeopardy playing in the spring when I'm going to be going right to their training camp, probably in May or early June, whenever the 49ers had their, as it turns out, they're the ones who, who, who picked him. I thought it was a, a very wise decision. And I might tell you, too, that North Dakota State came down here without him and shut out the bear. Oh, yeah, they did. <laughs> well, I'm excited for football to begin. Thanks to Mike, the intern, for sitting in with us today. Thank Anytime, you so you're much. welcome back at yeah, your own thanks, radio station. Chief Kingdom, remember, the Take It Back tour starts tonight. All right, whatever that means. You, they know. Okay. You're listening to exclusive coverage of Chiefs football. 104.7 The Cave, KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. Your home for the Kansas City Chiefs. Music in the morning.